We told you about Gaia Provides a couple months ago. Gaia Provides is back. They are a holistic small batch company crafting quality, lab-tested, hemp-based health and wellness products for pets. Kaplan, you've been giving it to Pancakes, Kaplan. Pancakes the dog over the last (laughs) few months. How's she doing? Yeah, she loves these. Uh, I give her the beef liver flavor, the ones for small dogs. Um, And I give her a half a treat in the morning, a half a treat at night, and she loves them. They're delicious. She always barks for them. Uh, She's a, she's a, you know, my dog's a little dog. She's a mental patient, I like to say. She's a lovable mental patient. So she's always, she's always uh, stressed out, neurotic, just like me about something. But these, these make her chill. They calm her down. Uh, She does, obviously, you know, she's in a wheelchair. She has a lot of uh, discomfort uh, naturally. And these definitely help. Uh, I definitely see, a, you know, she's has a high quality of life because of uh, we take good care of her over here. And these are a key part of our daily routine. So we love guy provides over here in the Kaplan household. And all these products cap are THC free. They do not have THC, which makes them safe for your pets. And I know pancakes is always scared. Of all those fireworks you have in Long Island City, Queens, right there on the East River. They're shooting them off all the time. How's she doing with the fireworks once she yeah. takes this guy it provides? Yeah, when I used to be, I used to dread fireworks. I used to dread loud noises and thunderstorms. Um, but now I just enjoy them because when I give them to the pancakes, this makes it, like I said earlier, it makes her calm, makes her cool, makes her collected, makes her just sit there and enjoy life. So these. Look at that. Uh, I love they you have can enjoy drops. fireworks again. You can enjoy America again. You can enjoy <laughs> freedom again with Gaia provides everybody check out Gaia provides and use our promo code lost L O S T for a great deal. That is www.gaiaprovides.com. And, and then just so you know, they also have on top of the treats, they have these little drops you could put in the food. So if you, you know, if you want to, you can get if they don't like the treat for whatever reason, these drops are also delicious. So guy provides say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You're listening to the world's smartest podcast network. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento. Some say the news is fake. Others say it's real. These two don't have the time to check. Instead, Turner Sparks and Michael Ira Kaplan turn to comics stationed around the globe to be their eyewitness reporters so that you can know what's really going on. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 235. My name's Turner Sparks. And I am Mordechai Yitzchak Kaplan. Whoa! (laughs) You can find me at turnersparks.com. All my tour dates are up at turnersparks.com. So come see me live in the United States of America, September through December. And I'll be in Detroit, Michigan in July. So come to that first. You can find Kaplan at Cap in America across all social media platforms. Kaplan, on the podcast today, we have our good friend Daniel Daniel Pomerantz back to the show from Honest Reporting talk, from Tel Aviv. We're going to be talking to him in a few minutes about 
BB, who I've recently learned that's what they call him, is gone. He's BB. out. Bye bye, BB. They're singing in the streets of Tel Aviv. We're, we're Danny. <laughs> Benjamin Daniel Netanyahu or Benjamin or how are they pronounce Benjamin. Benjamin Netanyahu. Benjamin is the tribe of no, <laughs> Israelites. What came first, the Yahoo calling someone a Yahoo or Netanyahu? Oh, I don't know. Good question. <laughs> that will those questions and more. Will when come you to tour you. Israel, you can use that bit. <laughs> Before we get to him, uh, Kaplan, uh, patreon.com. So we have a lot of people listening to this podcast. We love you. I'm going mm. to take a different approach this week. We've been angry with our listeners. Oh, recently. we should change it up since anger's not working with these people. With these it's morons. not. We're getting no new subscribers through anger. So we're going to have to switch to sugar. Switch to sugar. All right. So we love you. We love you. But we'd love you more if you gave us $5 a month. And not just, I'm not saying give us, you get something for it. You get three extra episodes of this podcast. Sorry, not this podcast, of Kaplan and I doing a full throttle live comedy podcast every single week. Mm -hmm. Patreon.com slash lost in America. For five bucks, you get that. For 10 bucks, I'm not sure. You get something. Oh, you get a t shirt. You get a t shirt, number one in Armenia. Uh, I, you could, you could get for $20 a month. You can get, you basically write copy for us. We will say whatever, is it 20? We say it's whatever $20 you want. a month. Yeah. yeah. You get your own ad on this show and I'm going to have to apologize. Our great listener, Dennis Owens, who I, I talked to him over the weekend. He said, we're allowed to say his name again. Oh, we're back. Dio. Dio yeah, is we're back. back off of probation. We were saying his name too often and it scared him. We don't want to scare away our paying listeners. No. So he said, so <laughs> we, we had to stop saying listener. his name for a while. <laughs> now we're allowed to say it. But he gave me some ad. He wanted us to, his, his ad for us this week was for us to riff on something in the public school system, but I didn't totally understand it. So apologies, Dennis Owens. We're going to get to that. We'll have to do that next week. Next week. All right. But he had nothing to advertise, so he's just literally requesting bits from us. He's just giving us his own bits. Is he writing jokes for us? Because if you guys write jokes for us, we'll do those too. It wasn't a it wasn't a punch. It was more like he was giving us the setup, and we had oh, okay. to come up with the punchline. Oh, all right. And it had something to do with the school systems and how you know your kids get off. Because in New York City, they started out okay. You're going to get off Christmas and Hanukkah, and then people <laughs> said, well, what about what about uh. You know, Lunar what about Ramadan? Okay, Ramadan. fine. We'll give you a month off for Ramadan. And then everybody <laughs> said, what about us? What about, and it went all the way down to Protestant day. Now there's Protestant day. Your kids get the day off school for it. Because some day. Protestant complained in Brooklyn <laughs> that they weren't being represented enough. Yeah. And so we, we're up for everything. We're equal opportunity. So now these, your kids don't go to school anymore, no. except for that's why they're in school in July. Cause they've had like 3,000 days off <laughs> in the middle of the year. So he's got a bit about that that we've got to referee. We'll on get next to week. it next week. We All almost right. just did half of it <laughs> right now, but we'll get to it next week. Kaplan, now let's get to so patreon.com slash lost. Yeah, send America. us your money, you cheapskates. Support I'm not going the with the show. Love. <laughs> Support the show. Yeah. This week. Israel. This week. Today we're talking Israel. So Ben uh, Ben Hamin Netanyahu, if I said that right, is out. Yeah, so he's the he's the boogeyman in the United States. If you're in, on the left or possibly even in the middle, I think you don't like people don't like him. But he's gone now, and people really didn't like him a couple of weeks ago. I mean, if you read any media, yeah, in, in the United States, the there left was is, the left not do not, does not like Netanyahu. Has never liked him. They were consistent in that, but they yeah, it really it really amped up a few weeks ago. So he went yeah. out with a bang. <laughs> so he went out with a bang. Now he's gone. He bombed a, whatever he bombed, a, a, <laughs> we'll get to the Associated Press building, which, by the way, I'm not against. <laughs> not the Associated Press, uh, we've had enough of them, okay? Yeah. Reuter, I'm a Reuters man through and through. 
I thought it was Reuters. Reuters, them too. <laughs> Reuters. No, bomb them all. Just don't bomb the podcasting buildings. I don't. Exactly. Let's get rid of terrestrial media. All regular so, media. Can yeah. he be our president? That's How many podcasts question. need to be bombed before we become number one? So <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. But, anyway, he's yeah. out. He's out. There's, there's a new a, coalition th- government that's in, and this is a parliamentary system. Remember, so what I know, they're parliamentary, and they had to form a crazy coalition to get it. You got one guy who's the leader of the. Uh, let's let me get this right. Israeli a- Arab Israelis. He's an Arab Israeli. Yeah. Which I again, up until th- you told me a couple weeks ago, I didn't know if I if you only read American media, you don't even know these people exist. Right. There's 20 percent of the population are Arab citizens. I learned Arab in citizens. school. I learned from the news. I learned from the Associated Press, which is probably why they got bombed, <laughs> that there was only Jews in Israel and that they killed everyone who wasn't a Jew. It turns no, out that's not, not true. true. Not good ethnic cleansing because they let him even into the government. They so, let him yeah. live. And now he's in the government. So he's in the government him. and he's joined by a, a, a guy, Naftali Bennett, who's like the head of a settler party, which is to the right, theoretically, of Netanyahu. This is a, a far right wing right nationalist. Guy. And he's the prime minister now. He's a leader. So they're a team. Plus, they're they team. got a guy who's kind of like in the on the left. What's his I, name? Lapid, I, I believe his name is. Lap, Yair Lapid, something like that. Daniel, correct us on that. But he's uh, like a centrist. He's the alt middle of Israel. So He's they got a centrist, they got a, a, a far right nationalist, and then he, they have, and I, but I do know that the Arab, and then they have the Arab Israeli, but I think the far right nationalist and the Arab Israeli, they might come together when it comes to homosexuality. They're I think, against yeah, that. they're, they're far right in the left. It's, that's the thing you meet on, you meet on the gays, you meet on the gays and the gays. Some, uh, social issues. That's and it's, it's really you. like, I think it was like, you know, we had the term never Trump in America. I believe it was like never Netanyahu in Israel. Yes. And it was like Ocean's Eleven, like, you know how Clooney put the whole gang together? He was the ringleader. Yeah. So that's what this guy Lapid was, I think. He just like called up everybody and get in different, everybody who hates Netanyahu and said, join my government. He made it happen. So we didn't. Oh, like one, one of those like hit squads that you hit put squad, together. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. call in the guy. This guy's the, the, can, the, can expert the on this. We got yeah. the Arab. We got the. They got one <laughs> of everything. The gay the guy doesn't like gays. That's, you know, we always have one. Has of those anyone in the crew. thought of this as a sitcom before we get going? Because we I have, so we, we have should number, copyright this. Number of right. good characters here. So, all right, what I want to know pretty much immediately is what does this mean for relations with the Arab world that's right around them? Daniel Pomerantz from Honest Reporting, welcome back to the show. How you doing? What did hey. we get right? What did we get wrong? <laughs> hey, guys, so good to be back. You did, you did incredibly well, well for yes. somebody who doesn't live in this country. I mean, yes. most people, yeah, this is very inside baseball right now. That's what we do. We're inside. Yeah. I don't know if it's baseball. We're inside somewhere. So, yeah. <laughs> You're inside something. We should also say that Kaplan Not has – he has someone in, through those headphones telling him the answers. I get it yeah. all right here. He's got his my kid brother, Teddy Kaplan in the yeah, other my, room. <laughs> even feeding him answers. It's <laughs> great. Uh, so, what? Right, yeah, so all right. What did you get right? What did you get wrong? Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu is um, – He's no longer the prime minister, but gone is a strong word because it's mm-hmm. a whole other system. I mean, he was prime minister back in the 90s. Then he got voted out and he was just like a regular member of Knesset, which is parliament. So it's like being a member of Congress. Uh, and then he became prime minister again. And now he's out of being prime minister, but he's still a member of Knesset. So oh, he's still in that. the parliament. And he's <laughs> oh. still a kind of a, yeah. And he's still is sort of this force uh, of, of anti who anyone who's anti the current coalition government is sort of in Netanyahu's camp. So he's in the opposition and the opposition still wants to kind of get back in. And so he's the head of the Likud party, basically, which is his party. He's still, 
it's his party and it's still the party it's still the largest party in israel it's just that you know in, in israel you have to have a majority of the seats in government in order to become the prime minister but nobody gets a majority so you have to team up with other parties and that's what we call a coalition so likud's the largest party but they weren't able to get a big enough coalition to have a majority so that's what the, these other guys did and but they- likud's still there and they're still big and they lost by one seat, right? 61, the, the, the party that won has 61 seats and Netanyahu's party has 60 seats. Is that correct? In the, well, the parliament? Well, the coalition that managed to, the coalition that managed to get together at 61, there's 120 seats in the, in the Knesset. So you need at least 61, which is, you know, one more than, than halfway in order to, to be the prime minister and be the governing coalition. So what happened was Lapid, who's kind of the, the, the ringmaster here, he's, he's the one He's yeah, he looks like Clooney, or at least he sort of acts like he looks like Clooney. He's always kind of raising his eyebrows and stroking his chin and always wearing black shirts like mine right now with the short sleeves. And he is the largest party after Likud. So he's the largest opposition party. And he was the one who started pulling everyone together. And it was very clever. He got Bennett in and said to Bennett, we're going to be co-prime ministers is basically what it is. You can be prime minister first for two years and then I'll be prime minister. And it was a tremendous act of, uh, I don't know if you call it humility, is unusual, unusually hum- humble for a politician to say, we'll, we'll share the prime ministership and I'm going to let you go first. But he knew that was the price he had to pay to get Bennett's party into the game. And he put together everyone. He had the, Bennett's very right. He's got this Arab uh, party in there called Ram, which is very to the left, or not very to the left, but they're an Arab party. They have the Merritt's party, which is way left. Merritt's party is like the equivalent of I don't know, I guess you'd call it like the, the, the Bernie Sanders party or the Green Party, the like super left. You got Labor, which is relatively left, not as much as Merritt's, but still pretty left. I mean, he got a whole spectrum and managed to pull all of them together. And once all was said and done, they managed to hit 61. Wow. And so Bennett is the far right guy, and he's now the prime minister because that was his, de- as you said, his deal to even come in and join these guys. Because he, I guess, ideologically doesn't have much in common with them. Would that be correct or not? Um, you know, ideology is a little complex because there's so many different issues. Uh, and in terms of uh, whether there should okay. be, you know, you take some issues like settlements. You know, he's, he's, he is in favor of settlements, merits, which is the very left party. is very against settlements. So in that sense, they don't have a lot in common. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, th- yeah, the Muslim party is pretty anti-gay. Um, there's, uh, which is ironic because in Israel, a Muslim party is considered very on the left of the spectrum. And yet being anti-gay is something that you see more on the right of the spectrum. Yeah. The uh, circle goes around. Basically. Yeah. The circle, exactly. The circle goes around. Uh, you got other issues too. Uh, the issue that really unites them though, is that they all want to see uh, Netanyahu out. And as long as Netanyahu stays in the government and stays a major force in the opposition, that kind of unites all these guys. There, there's an irony is that if, if Netanyahu is truly like out, like out for the count, the way an American president is out when they're done, chances are this coalition would probably have a, a bigger chance of falling apart. But that uh, is, you know, Netanyahu being there kind of holds them together. There are other issues like, uh, you know, the cost of milk, the cost of uh, housing, what to do about uh, policing in local communities, all these sorts of things that you never hear about in the international news because news of local stuff. And on a lot of those issues, a lot of those parties are either together or they're willing to trade off. Like one party says, look, I don't really care about, you know, uh, the cost of bread, but I do care about this other issue. So I'll support you on your thing and you support me on my thing. And in that way, they're making it all work. 
Okay. So Bennett is, um, I read that he was a, he used to a protege of, of Netanyahu's. Is that correct? Or he somehow was in his part, was on his council or something? Yeah, it's a funny thing. I mean, Netanyahu's been a prime minister for like 12 years. It's, you think about where were you 12 years ago? It's a long period of time. Yeah. There's this thing on Twitter, a lot of uh, Israeli journalists were posting pictures of where they were 12 years ago. And of course, they all look a lot younger. You know, And it, he's interacted with so many different people and been a partner with so many different people. And what happened was just over that length of time, he managed to screw over enough people in enough ways that he made mm. so many enemies that finally he just couldn't get together a coalition. And there's an irony that the, the Israeli right got so many votes that had anyone else been the head of the Likud party, not only would they have had a coalition, but they have been able to pick and choose their coalition and even keep some people out because they, they would have had more than enough. So ideologically, it naturally should have been a Likud led right coalition, but they just um, he just made too many enemies on a personal level. Not a, it's not ideological. Just wow. there are people who have worked with him and just don't want to work with him anymore. And is there anybody in the Likud party who says, like, I'm sure Netanyahu says no to this because he's a big, you know, narcissist, but who says, hey, can you step aside? Because if he just resigned, right, and someone else ran the party, they'd be in charge. Is that how? That, yeah, you know, well, <laughs> and that's the funny thing. There is a guy like that. His name's Gidon Starr, and he, he's, he said that, and Netanyahu said no. And then he ran against Netanyahu in right. the primaries for the Likud party and got his – Netanyahu just wiped the floor with him. Hmm. And so then he went off and started his own party. And everyone's like, oh, wow, he's so popular from running in the Likud primaries. Now he's going to be huge in his own party. And he like ended up getting a tiny number of, of seats in parliament. So that was a big disappointment. But it was just enough. It peeled off a few seats from the Likud party. And now Yidon Sar is another one of those people who's in this coalition that's now in government. Oh, good job. by him. So, so uh, it was like it was just enough, like each little it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. You yeah. know, each little one added up. What do they say that on your way up, you got to smash everybody a hundred percent or else on your way down, there'll be a bunch of half smash people ready to fight you. <laughs> you know, I, I thought it would be nice to people on the way up because you meet the same ones on your way down, but smash people on your way up works too, I guess. You got to get them a hundred percent though. You got to take them all down. Yeah. You got to make sure you're not leaving half alive people. So what, so Netanyahu, um, at least from what our, from what we saw out here was this, uh, seem to be instigating things or or playing a part in the instigation of things in the in the Middle East. Does will this change? Will this new government change the relationships at all with, say, what happens in the West Bank or in the settlements or um, just the rest of the, the Arab world? Well, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's a little complex. First of all. Because there's so many, when you talk about the relationships, there's so many different ones. There's yeah. the Abraham Accords with the United Arab Emirates and Dubai and Bahrain and, and uh, Morocco and all those countries that, you know, they put together during the Trump administration and the Biden administration is continuing that. And in terms of that, there's there's no question. That was a, a really popular move in Israel across the spectrum, and that's continuing and, and continuing And those to are grow. the treaties we talked about in a previous uh, episode, but those are the treaties that were all signed. I think a lot of people in, Amer in the United States might have even missed this, but we, last summer, yeah. Trump, the Trump administration got a lot of treaties signed, right? Trump's a peacemaker. Yeah, and, and, you know, I'll tell you what, some people were kind of poo-pooing it, saying, oh, but unless you get the Palestinians, it doesn't count. But I think it's a pretty big deal because we've changed that idea that there's a war between Jews and the Arab world is gone. The Arab world and Israel 
are making peace like one country after another. So there is a conflict between Israel and Palestinians, but it's not a conflict between Israel and the Arab world. And uh, and actually, the Biden administration said that they're looking to sign even more of those treaties in the coming years. So it's it's one of the few things that they actually are continuing from from the Trump administration. Like I said, whatever whoever you agree with, a stop clock is right twice a day, right? Just because you disagree with someone on a lot of things doesn't mean they might not be right on something. So there's there's those treaties. Then there's uh, what will happen with the Palestinians. This is a tough one because, you know, it takes two to tango, right? It's sort of like saying, you know, to me, well, so are you going to go out and like date Claudia Schiffer? And it's like, well, I'll ask, <laughs> but she's going to have something to say about it, too. Right. I don't know. What does she look like these days? Claudia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Get a better reference. That's as- <laughs> her on the way down. Dan. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> might be able to get her. It might be too. Hey, as far as I'm concerned, she will always look the way she did in Wayne's World. You look good in that t- that ripped T-shirt, man. I'm just <laughs> come on. I'll sell you some short. I know that was, that was the only name I could think of. I should have said Bella Hadid or something. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would be topical anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but the thing is, the, the Palestinians have, have been really clear that to them, uh, occupied Palestine means all of Israel and that compromising on that is a really it, it's like a, a harm to Palestinian dignity. And dignity is an important value. And I can understand that. But if you don't make room for compromise, it's hard to see how this is going to play out. So, you know, even when when you had very left leaders and I'm talking you know, going back to the early 2000s, you had people like uh, like Shimon Perez and and um, Ehud Barak and Ehud Olmert, these leaders from back then, they weren't able to close the deal either. Uh, so there are some people who say that Netanyahu actively didn't want to close a deal, and he did say things like that, but he also said things that were sort of the opposite of that too, so it's hard to tell what was electioneering, you know, just statements and what was real, because if you take all of his statements, they contradict each other. Yeah. Uh, but one thing's for sure is that it, it's not only up to Israel and, you know, whatever it's going to take, it, it'll be more than just uh, a new Israeli government. I think it'll also take a, a new Palestinian government. And there was supposed to be Palestinian elections and they canceled them. So um, but I think it's going to take new governments on both sides before we see a change in that area. Well, do you think that this is a government, at least for the Israeli side, that would have a better chance of getting something done than Netanyahu? I'd say if this government had, uh, if there were new governments on both sides, there could be a chance that it's, tr- this is where it gets a little tricky. Uh, I think the Pete is more open to it. Bennett is less open to it. Um, the uh, really left parties like labor and merits are very open to it. The uh, Arab parties might be open to it, but they might want it on terms that the other parties might not accept to get something this uh, comprehensive done. You need a lot of agreement. And you're talking about a coalition where there's a lot of different ideas and interests. And so, like I was saying, they can get together and agree to disagree and say, "Okay, I'll just focus on this one issue that's important to me if you don't object and you focus on your issue and I won't object to that. But you get to something like this, everyone's going to want to have a say. And I think if there really were, like, for example, there's a new Palestinian government tomorrow and the possibility of a peace treaty became a true and immediate possibility on both sides. I think there's a pretty good chance that this current government might actually fall apart and we'd end up having to have new elections. And the new elections would essentially be a referendum on how to pursue a peace process. So how does... How, uh, how do the elections, well, I have a few questions, but how, how do the elections work? Let's start there, because I know that you had four elections in two years, which we've talked about before on this podcast, not long ago, right? That yeah. Netanyahu had, there was, had to get elected four times in two years or something like that. And 
What if, so you, this coalition has 61 seats and the other side has 60. If Bennett or someone else just decides to pull out, to pull out of it, now you're below yeah. 60. Does that just fall apart 100%? You have an election right like that? Essentially, yeah. I mean, there's some uh, technical stuff that goes on, but basically, yeah, it comes down to that. That everybody, even the smallest, like, little dip, I, I was going to say a word that begins with S, but you, I don't know if I can say that on the podcast. But, you know, you even the smallest... I can say whatever I want. Already. So even the smallest little dipshit party in yeah. this coalition essentially has the ability to pull the plug on the whole government. If you have one is, or more seats, you can pull, you, you can pull the 61 plug. majority. Yeah. Because you can, unless they can find another party to replace them. Right. Yeah. And, and it gets even worse. Like if there's ever a vote in, in parliament, like you can't, if you want to leave the, like if you're a member of parliament and you want to leave the country, you basically have to get somebody on the other side to agree that they won't vote on anything while you're out of the country. Oh, so like, so like, oh, you, you have vote. to be present. So like one, you can't vote on Zoom. Yeah, come on. You can't, no, you can't vote on Zoom. <laughs> and so if you're, so if my side's going to be one down. I got to get someone from the other side to agree to to be one down also. So both sides are one oh, it's down. It's like soccer when change. you kick the ball out of bounds and there's an injury. You got to. Like, like, yeah. yeah. So if you if you want to go to the Seychelles, you got to invite someone from the other side to go with you. <laughs> yes. Take yeah. A date. <laughs> you got to take a date. <laughs> yeah. Across, that's how you get. Uh, I can't the, believe you can't vote on Zoom or like any or type of. I mean, this is the 21st century. Come on, people. Yeah. No, it's a whole thing. I mean. I think the U.S. does it, too, in Congress. It, it, it has to do with wanting to, for some reason, something about government, like they want people to be physically there because, I don't they know. They made these laws before 2020, March yeah, 2020. <laughs> yeah, they, we have the PTA. They, 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 Our PTA is functioning at a high level all on Zoom this year, so we haven't missed a beat. I, the Friars Club <laughs> Board of Governors, we're Zoom all the time, baby, and these people are all 80, 90 years old. I'm on this meeting with. <laughs> You know, you make a good. Now that I think about it, I really don't know what the reason is for that. But uh, it's like the law hasn't ask, caught yeah. up with what we're yeah. what we have the capability it, it, of doing. It could be. I mean, I keep thinking there must be some reason other than just the fact that they created the system before technology. But uh, yeah, I don't know. And hey, here's think- another neat. Here's another neat thing that in the 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 cabinet, there's like nine women who are like the cabinet. It's not like the U.S. where the president just picks the cabinet. Like the cabinet is made up of people in the coalition who said, all right, you want me in the coalition, you better give me a cabinet position. I want to be minister of defense or minister of something else. Cabinet has nine women, which is amazing. That's like never been that many before. Uh, It's got two Arabs and it's got people from the left, the right and the center. So everyone in Israel is feeling like kind of proud of that because it's, it's a really, it's it's a greater diversity of those women. There was some Claudia Schiffer, like, t- like it was very, it was a nice looking cabinet. Claudia Schiffer. <laughs> yeah. I like it. A lot it, of yeah. Claudia Schiffer talk. <laughs> well, I tell you what, there's, well, there's one woman, Ayelet Shaked, who's just like, she, she looks like she walked out of the pages of a magazine. She's gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, and she's, and she's married, of course, to a, an, a, an Israeli Air Force fighter pilot mm-hmm. because that's what you do. That's what you do. No vacations but, yeah. for her. Tell her no she, vacation. Yeah, she can't take a vacation. You got to vote. Every vote yeah, counts. She's got to. She's got to take someone from the other side. But um, it, it does strike me though that like if any, because the six one majority, like it, it sort of means like nothing's going to happen, right? Like no harm can be done, right? Like isn't that the good thing? Like because Bennett is a very pro settlements you mentioned, but they can't expand settlements because he'll lose. You know he won't have the votes, right, for anything like that. Or just to explain, um, let's explain settlements oh, yeah, just real quickly. What they are, uh, Dan, you want to go for it? <laughs> All right, you, you, you guys. In, instead of you guys doing it, me telling me why you're wrong. 
Sure, yeah. <laughs> that's we'll the game, save right? some time. We're we'll cutting time, time yeah. off this episode. <laughs> Trimming the fat. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, in uh, 1948, Israel was created as a country. And uh, wow. at, at, there was this whole plan for <laughs> We're going way back. We're adding fat yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so then at that time, right around that time, Jordan invaded and took a bunch of land. And then in 1967, Jordan tried to use that land as a launching point to attack Israel. But Israel stopped the attacks, took that land from Jordan. And so now you have this land that Israel wasn't part of Israel before 1967. But what people forget is it also wasn't part of Jordan before 1948. It was only part of Jordan for 19 years. Uh, so there are a lot of people in the world who say, well, it's not really it's it's it, Israel hasn't annexed that. So it's considered not completely a part of Israel. And so when people build homes there, they call them settlements. And a lot of countries in the world call it occupied territory. And there's some debate in legal cir- circles, whether it's truly an occupation in the legal sense or not. But it's frequently called that when Israelis build homes there. Right. When Israelis right. there's these homes. Jewish yeah, when, yeah. outposts, basically, of towns that some of them are more like cities. Right. And some of them are like smaller and most of the people who live there are Palestinian people. Um, the majority of the people of the population out there is Palestinian of the West, yeah. Bank, uh, but yeah. there's of the, of the West Bank, which is this area that I'm talking about. Yeah. And uh, and then there are also the, the Palestinians who are there. They either are or are descended from people who are citizens of Jordan. Uh, but in 1988, they all gave up their their Jordanian citizenship. And so now they're all citizens of the Palestinian Authority government and they vote in Palestinian elections when they have them, which is basically never but when they have them they vote in them and they're there and there's this debate in the world and also debate in israel about whether jews should build homes in this area and the people who are in favor of it like bennett say look we have this ancient history there before jordan renamed it the west bank it used to be called judea and samaria and it's judea because that's where jews were so we should live there but then there's the parties on the left who say you know it wasn't part of israel before and there's other people living there now and you shouldn't be going and building things in a place where people feel like you're violating their home and their territory. And so that's an argument even within Israel, and it's an argument outside of Israel, too. So like you guys are saying, there's there's going to be debate if, if Bennett wants to expand settlements. There's other people in the government who won't want to. And even beside the 61 thing, Bennett, who's you know the prime minister, and Lapid, who's sort of the ringmaster, the biggest uh, party in, in this coalition, the two of them created an, an, a veto agreement. So even without having to collapse the whole government, the two of them can veto anything that the other one does. Ah, do they have unlimited vetoes, or is it like life like challenges in a sports game? You only can use them a certain number of times. Or <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's unlimited. The, the idea is to get them to just not do anything in the first place that would even get too close to the line. Right. And so what about Abbas? He is the leader yeah. of the Islamist Party. Is that what they're called? Yeah, Man- Mansour Abbas from the Islamist Party. But I, I want to throw in this interesting yeah. fact that surprises people. Netanyahu spoke in a way that was very pro-settlements. But if you actually look at the numbers, settlements grew less under his time than they did in any other time in, in Israeli history. See, he was actually very careful politically about it. he would say the right things to support his base, but he didn't actually let settlements grow very much at all. All talk, and, no action. Mm, all, that's it, baby. <laughs> all talk, no action, baby. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually where a lot of where Bennett got his popularity from was saying, hey, Bibi says he's uh, in favor of settlements, but he's really not. And 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 Bennett was right about that. So just because you see, you know, there, there's this idea, well, now we have this government that's going to, you know, are they going to be more anti-settlements because they're more left? And the truth is, regardless of what BB said, he didn't actually, you know, promote settlements as much as, as his reputation would make you think. But that's on purpose. He wanted to have that reputation. Yeah. Um, 
All right, let's yeah, get so to my- let's get to a boss, but before we do that, let's we'll get yeah. to so we have not only Kaplan are we part of the World Smartest Podcast Network, getting to our sponsor here, but uh, we're doing a live show, the world's smartest live show <laughs> on smart. July 31st at Stand Up New York Comedy Club. Ticket link will be in this bio, uh, at the bio of this episode, or was bio, is that what you call it? The liner notes the of link. this episode. The liner notes, yes. The link, yeah, the link will be right, Link ticketing link will be there. Get your tickets, 20 bucks. You got me, Kaplan, Andrew Heaton from the uh, Political Orphanage podcast, the Mighty Heaton, Dr. Andrea Jones-Roy from Ask a Political Science podcast slash whatever her next podcast will be called. And all four of us will be doing stand-up comedy, and then we'll be sitting down for a live roundtable in front of a live audience where audience members can ask us any question we want, much like we do on those monthly roundtable episodes we do with the whole gang. The oh, whole it's not going to be the network. three of you just dissecting my terrible comedy act? I that, that might the, be I part thought that of was the roundtable. <laughs> Telling down. you what a light is, know that you'd get when to get off stage, where to yeah. look, yeah, how to set up a joke like better, that. how to look. No, at you the, do yeah. you do a stand up once a year, and it's yeah. been has it been more than a year, probably. Right? It's been more. It's been a while. It's gonna be. <laughs> I'm counting on everyone being rusty because of COVID. That's my that's what I'm banking on. So where I'll, do you want to go in this lineup? Do you want a headline or do you want to open <laughs> somewhere in the middle? I'm like a two number two hitter. That's a I, bunt, good idea. I, I bunt you over. You get you get on base. You It'll lead be a off. Sacrifice maybe. bunt. Oh, yeah, Andrew leads. I don't know who leads off. I feel like Heaton's a cleanup hitter. He's like a real you know he's he's got or is uh, where is he in the lineup? I don't know. But yeah, he's cleanup. I don't know. We'll see where it shakes <laughs> out. out. But it'll anyway, be a good show. It'll be yeah. fun. And listen to all their podcasts, World Sparrows Podcast Network.com. Get tickets. July 31st, 6 p.m. show. We did it early because we know we have old listeners. You can get to bed early, people. My, my I heard my mom is very excited about the 6 p.m. time. So oh, good. We'll be there. <laughs> it's a Saturday night, too. We normally drag these people into town on a Wednesday. So No, this is a Saturday night in New York City. New York is back. So stay over. Come in from out of town, all of our fans. Yeah, maybe we should do an after party somewhere. <laughs> That'd be a good see, idea. Tell me tickets we sell, then maybe. <laughs> Hosted by your mom. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be great. Cap, um, now a word from your local sponsor. All right, we're back. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you so much for always keeping the lights on. Where these, you know, these Patreon subscribers don't, they don't always carry their weight. The, the, the ones we do have do, but everybody else, not so much. So we need that sponsor a little bit. Yeah. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so Abbas is the head of the Islamist Party. You were saying um, uh, that you, Dan, you were saying that Bennett and the who's the guy in the middle? I forgot his name. Lapid. Lapid. They have this agreement to where they can veto each other. But does is Abbas involved in this? Or the Islamist Party? Do they get to veto as well? You know, I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't think so. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but as far as I know, that was only between the two of them. Because you start having veto parties with every veto agreements with every party, then you really can't get anything at all done. So I think it was just the two major ones. And he's the first. Is this the first time an Arab party was actually part of the government? Or has it happened once before? Um, I think it's happened once before, but it was uh, quite a number of governments ago. But certainly this is the first time that an Arab party has played such a major pivotal role. Like they, they were, you know, because it was so critical to get that 61, like every party was basically a kingmaker. And so he had a lot of leverage and he made us this speech in Hebrew that was very uh, well received by Israel, very conciliatory, very about how we all have to, you know, live, work together, live together. It's our country together. We need to build this future together. And it was a beautiful speech. 
two days early, he made a speech to his base in Arabic saying we are never going to give up and all the land <laughs> is ours and all this stuff. That somehow didn't make it into the Israeli press. We were just reading about the Hebrew language speech. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I don't know, but it's the thing about politics. People talk out of two sides of their mouth. In the end, you're just going to have to judge everybody based on their actions and, and what yeah. they do. Yeah, and everybody, um, I it, mean, that happens here too. People go to like, like a, a, a Biden speech at like a, a factory in, in Wisconsin or Michigan sounds different from like a New York or from talking a about progressive. DC. Yeah. Washington DC speech. But what did they give to this, to, to Abbas to oh, yeah. make him join the party? Like how did they, there was promises of, there was some villages, I believe. I think he right? has four Israel. seats, right? Yeah, which is almost as, I mean, uh, yeah. Bennett only has seven, right? So he's like only three short of him. And that guy's the prime minister. Yeah, well, Ben, is, ben has very few. And it's a really unusual thing for someone with so few seats to be the, the prime minister. And then some Israelis are complaining about that. But, look, you know, he positioned himself well. And it's kind of how a coalition works. When you look at the Arab world, most it's very common in the Arab world to see a lot of tribalism. Like you look at Iraq. When Iraq, when Saddam Hussein was gone, that place like disintegrated into like 50 different groups that were all fighting each other. And then ISIS grew out of there. Great job by us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I mean, you can just say what was worse, going in or, or going out, but it's the combination of the two created the situation. And the reason is you see the most stable governments in the Arab world tend to be the ones that have really strong dictators who just keep everyone really fiercely in line. And Israel has it. It's in the Middle East. It's got that tribalism. It's got lots of different groups with different interests. But we somehow managed to do something different, which was to just put all of them in the government together and see how it shakes out. And so people debate in Israel, does this have any chance of lasting? And my thought is, well, precisely because it reflects the nature of the Middle East, it may actually be just the right fit for this place and time. But, yeah, one of the things that um, uh, Arab Israelis complain about is uh, you need to the, there's inadequate uh, services sometimes in villages and inadequate policing. It's an interesting thing in America. It's all about, you know, defund the police or police free zones in Israel. It's the opposite. It's like, why don't we get more policing? We deserve police protection as much as anyone else. And so you hear that opposite complaint. So Abbas is focusing on some of those things on certain Arab villages that were built illegally without permits and getting them made legal and giving them permission and rights. Um, and then places that need more services or more policing at least that's what his stated position is. Now, some of the things he said to his base in Arabic would make it sound like his position is to take all over the, the whole country and take it away from all Jews. But, but you know, again, it's like as Bibi said some stuff, too, that he didn't follow through on and it was just to energize his base. So who, who really knows? I'm, I, I tend to be an optimistic guy. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So, Abbas, a couple of things I read, that this might be what you're talking about, but freezing of Kaminit's Kham law on unauthorized construction? Go yeah, ahead. there's, well, there, there's um, there, there's a law that you can't uh, build things without permits, like in, in any place. And if you do, then the, the place doesn't get city services and it can also be demolished and the people then have to find a different place to live. Okay. And there's, there's a lot of Arab communities that sort of just build without getting permits. And if you talk to them, they'd say, well, it's because getting permits is so bureaucratic and, yeah. and they feel that there's some racism in the process, so they can't get the permits at all. And, you know, they, they may be right. And so they say, well, then we'll, screw it. We'll just build the thing. But, but because we've been backed into a corner, at least, you know, 
don't demolish the home when it was built illegally. So it, 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 it sometimes the news tries to mischaracterize it as Israel going out and just trying to demolish people's homes, which is not uh, what, what's happening. Or Israel trying to take homes away from Arabs, which isn't. It's Israel's uh, enforcing zoning laws. But there is a valid argument locally that Israel is also not good enough about giving zoning permits when they're being requested. I mean, it, permits are a pain in the ass everywhere. If you want to build something in Long Island, for instance, you got to bribe a contractor to like just go around the permits yeah. everywhere. So, so I'm definitely with the Arabs on that one. <laughs> There's a, yeah. You got me. That's a, what about yeah, I can, What about his base? Is his base worried that he's somehow cooperating? Well, obviously is cooperating, but cooperating with somebody who wants to they might see wants to ruin them. You know, it's funny. There's a larger Arab party. Uh, in Israel called the Joint List, which is actually a bunch of smaller parties put together that actually isn't in the government for that very reason. Uh, but Abbas decided to to take a risk and take a leap and go that direction. And so far, he's holding together and he, he seems to have his his support base in place. You know, we'll see whether whether it stays. Didn't he um, originally work with Netanyahu on some things? Isn't that where he like BB sort of gave him the made it more kosher, so to speak, to talk to him? Yeah, where was, did Abbas yeah, come well, from? Uh, Abbas came from a party called Ram, which is one of the, the Arab parties in Israel. And, you know, he's been moving up throughout the years and, and he's been a politician for a while. And Netanyahu was talking to him because it, Netanyahu had alienated so many of his traditional allies that he started looking for new people to join with. Wow. And and so he started talking. the bottom talk of the him. barrel for Netanyahu. I was like going to say in the morning, he was rude to every girl in the bar all night. And he's like, oh, boy. It's like how all, at high school, like all the nerds just sit together at that one cha- one table because <laughs> yes. they don't have no one else to talk to. Yeah. It's like, fine, I'll be your friend. It, it was kind of getting there. And, you know, he he managed to, and remember, this stuff is not ideological. It's there, A lot of these people agree with, with Netanyahu on, on policy, but they, he just alienated them on a personal level by yeah. being around for so many years. So he was... Uh, he was trying to build a coalition that had this person from this crazy right wing party that's so niche right wing that it, it, like they're just this really the racist like the racist Kahanas yeah they're like party. They're, they're yeah called? exactly they're the racist Kahanas party and uh, and he was trying to form a coalition that would have them and the Islamist party like <laughs> he was seriously oh trying gosh. to make that happen and had he done that he, it, it might actually have worked but at the time people were <laughs> asking each oh, other look. out they just like. <laughs> Well, the thing is, neither one of them will sit in a coalition with the other. And so Netanyahu was going to have to choose one or the other. But if you only get one, then you don't have, and then he wouldn't have enough seats for the full coalition. But what's kind of neat about this coalition is for the first time in a very long time, none of the religious parties uh, are in the coalition. None of the religious Jewish parties. I mean, I guess you could say an Islamist party counts as religious. But uh, you've got Bennett is a religious guy. He wears a kippah. But he's not someone who believes in legislating religion. And the religious parties, which are basically Shahs and United Torah Judaism, they believe in legislating religion. And so a lot of these, things, you know, one of the big disputes in Israel is that should people who study in yeshiva, which is religious school, be paid stipends to stay in, in school for the, like their entire lives and never have to serve in the army and never have to work in a job. And the religious parties want to push for that, but it's beginning to change. And, and this is another step in that change. And another question about religious parties is, you know, a lot of American Jews are worried about the Western Wall. You know, why can't uh, you have mixed prayer there with men and women standing together? Why can't you have a a reform uh, rabbi do a bar mitzvah there? Things like that. And um, 
and some of that may start to change uh, as well because you know yeah that's why my brother couldn't get married i think in israel because they didn't want to have like a it wouldn't be recognized because they have the say over how weddings are right to, to yeah to convert, was your brother to become, was well, your brother marrying someone who wasn't jewish he was marrying someone israeli but i think that they didn't want to have a religious wedding so for him to be a citizen oh, yeah it wouldn't be recognized as a wedding and then he would become a citizen Wait, because I, he's not a citizen? It's because- like it's such a loophole. If you ha- no, yeah, he can have the wedding in America, and then they present the license, and then he can become a citizen. It was like th- because the religious – I believe the religious community doesn't count right weddings if they're not – they only want yeah. to be well, – certain- Well, there's no such thing as civil marriage here. You get married in Israel. It either has to be with an imam, a priest, or a rabbi. Right. And the only rabbis who are allowed to do it are Orthodox That's rabbis. That's what it is. They didn't want to have an Orthodox and- rabbi. Yeah, he he didn't. I mean, you could have my brother's wedding. Yes, yeah. I don't get it. You could have like a a a fun, like totally secular party, and just have the rabbi come in and do his bit and then leave. But if you don't want an Orthodox rabbi, then there's no other option in Israel unless like an imam or a priest. And so now (laughs) that that religious parties, yeah, didn't you didn't didn't want an imam or a priest? priest, No. So now that the religious parties are out, maybe you could maybe there could be a possibility of creating a government, uh, a new law that actually allows civil marriages. where you just go to the court and sign a paper or something like that. But for now, there's still that loophole. You go to Cyprus, which is a hop and a skip away and do it there. Right. Well, so, the Islamic party is not religious as religious as the other ones. Right. Either. I read that they, they don't believe which in, party? Like, the Ram party, whatever. Is that what it's called? Ram. Yeah. Yeah. Abbas's party. He's not like for Sharia law or anything like that. I mean, he's just a conservative kind of anti-Islamist, yeah. but... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he subscribes to a lot of the sort of more extreme Islamist beliefs, but I, I don't... Ha- I haven't heard that he's looking to try and implement uh, yeah. Islam- so Islamic so law all over the country or anything. Like, yeah. So, Bennett is now the prime minister for two years. I, yeah. Um, but from what, I've, what we've read, he doesn't seem to, because he only has a few seats and actually uh, Lapid has way more seats, then is, who's actually like, who has the power here? Would it be, well, they all have equal power? Bennett, Abbas, Lapid? Well, depending on what you're trying to do in government, the real power lies in the cabinet. And the cabinet, remember, it's not like in America where you pick your own cabinet. Yeah. So, to get anything done, like to go to war, you need to get the security cabinet to agree to do it. And if they're disagreeing on it, you can't go to war, and which is crazy because like when you're going to war, like you don't get a lot of time to have debates over things. Yeah. Uh, and every every aspect of, of governance, you know, education, roads, whatever, there's some aspect of the cabinet that has a say in it. And you have to bring everyone along and then you have to bring the policy to a vote in, in the Knesset and it has to pass with 61. So. There's um, whether regardless of who the prime minister is, there's still the prime minister has pretty limited power compared to the United States. Now, Netanyahu had more power, but it was mostly because he had built up so many relationships and had such force of personality. And he was real good at just not appointing certain ministers. Like for a while, we didn't have a foreign minister at all. Like a foreign minister is like secretary of state. We just didn't have one. And in the absence of one, the prime minister is by default that role. So oh, there you go. Point, smart. He, he was minister of like everything that was out there. Yeah. yeah, it's smart because he's eliminating any competition for himself, but it's less smart because now he doesn't have talented people around him to actually make sure. things happen. It's smart if you just want ultimate power. Right. It's not- yeah. So by doing that, he was able to get a little more power for himself. And now that we have a more normal situation, the prime minister 
either prime minister is going to have a little bit less power than that. Uh, an interesting thing, I, I, we were talking about uh, what you got right and what you got wrong. Uh, we were talking about how uh, how Netanyahu bombed the the AP building. Oh yeah. yes, that was yeah, Turner. Yeah, <laughs> right. So what we what we what you didn't mention though is that that building also had the uh, the military intelligence headquarters of Hamas in it. And Hamas I thought is- everyone knew that. <laughs> I thought that was a given. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, every AP around the world has a terrorist organization. Our listeners already knew that. Our <laughs> listeners. Okay, good. So your, your listeners are cut above. You got to understand in my job, I'm dealing with, right. you know, people who are leaving leaving stuff out all the time. My whole day is on like, purpose. you miss this, you miss that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can be our ombudsman every week. Yeah. No, but it, I already said, I, I thought it. I covered it up by saying that I agree with the bombing. Yeah. He doesn't even care if they have a reason. <laughs> yeah. Take them out. I'm, I've had enough of that Associated Press. I, I'm really mad at the year Syracuse went undefeated in football and was number three in the AP poll. So screw them. I've been out on them for so bomb their Israeli bomb away. Bomb the headquarters in the wherever they are. West but uh, so, so Tur- Turner's position is <laughs> is it, bomb them anyway. Yeah, that's my <laughs> position. That's problem, <laughs> Eliminate all media that's not yeah. us. Yes. Oh, that, that's well, the way. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, that's how you're going to get to the top. Make, yeah. I'm on our way to the top through murder. But, is, but in a war, just to not be to, a serious question to follow up what you just said is in a war, then is that are these decisions made by the prime minister or these are decisions made by the cabinet? Like something like these, that. Or, well, this particular decision. I mean, a decision this big would have had to get approval from the prime minister, but it would have been made by by generals in the army. It would have gone through the army's legal office, which would have to approve that the target is sufficient, has sufficient military value and also doesn't have too much risk to civilians. It, like, so There's a few different layers it has to go through in the army just to get through that approval. Then it would go to the security cabinet and it would need to the, the, the prime minister's uh, approval for something this big. I mean, the prime minister is not going to get involved in every little on the ground decision, right. but he would have had to have approval over it. Not to get too far into this, but w- was that on purpose that, that, that most of the media left out the fact that it was in the, uh, that was the home of the, of Hamas when they said, when they, they, cause I mean, we knew that. And I think, honestly, I think most of our listeners probably knew that, but most of the general public, people you just meet walking around town, they don't know that. Right. Yeah, and they don't because it isn't being widely reported in the media. And I, I think some media left it out on purpose, uh, either because they want to tell a certain narrative or because, remember, Hamas, is, it's like being in the old Soviet Union trying to report there or, or being like going reporting from Saddam Hussein's Iraq. Like, it's not a place with free speech. And if you say the wrong thing, you get kicked out. Yeah. Like, there was the, the head of uh, the United Nations Relief Works Agency located in Gaza said uh, that that Israel did not intentionally target civilians and was very careful, and Hamas kicked him out of Gaza. And so that UN guy can no longer operate in Gaza. By contrast, Al Jazeera, which was reporting in Gaza, just accepted an, an award from Hamas I, I saw that for how much Hamas liked their journalism. <laughs> the Hamas, the prestigious, you don't need a Pulitzer anymore. The Hamas award. Terrorist organization <laughs> gave you an award. <laughs> the Hamas Israel. journalism award. Can we win? A, do they give podcast awards? Because term, I, I don't know. We might. Have to, I will I, stop. I think, I'll stop reporting on. I'll report half truths from now on if I can get an award from. Ham- if there's a, a award from award from Hamas at the end of that rainbow. <laughs> sure. I, I tell you what. There's got to be an application process. Yeah. We'll, so so we'll, 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 we'll uh, have to check that out. With Lapid, he he said two years. Bennett, I'm giving you the first two years. I'll take the next two. 
What are the, it sounds like this might not make it two years. Yeah. Right? I always thought it was just like, this is the funniest thing. It's like, it's, it's like in student council at school where like, you can't figure out who's going to be the student council president. So you're like, let's be co-presidents. Yes. It just seems like the cheesiest thing, but they do it. So yeah, with this guy named Benny Gantz, who was a real famous general and a real popular guy in Israel. And he joined with the Air Lapid and like their platform was, you know, we're going to be just, just anyone, but uh, anyone, but BB. Right. Never and BB. it was like, like never BB. Yeah. It was like never Trump. Well, they, yeah. It was their exact phrase, BB, just not BB. And they, so they were working on getting there, but they didn't quite have the votes. And it looked like we were going to not have a coalition. And Gantz said, look, the people have spoken. I'm going to join with, with BB just so that we can have a stable government because this that's what's year. more important right yeah. now. Yeah, that was last year. And so a lot of people felt that Gantz had really betrayed them because they said, you know, well, he his platform was being against BB and he didn't do that. Me personally, I I'm not I don't find it compelling when your platform is just being against someone. I want to know what you're for, not just what you're against. Yeah. And and I and I thought it took a little bit of integrity to say, look, that's not a real platform and the country has spoken, so I'm gonna do what the country wants. But but not everybody agrees with me and they say, okay, he was against betrayed what we wanted from him. But what happened, of course, is that the second time, so they were they made a deal that they were going to be co-prime ministers and BB was prime minister. And of course, everybody knew this just shortly before the changeover was going to happen or, you know, a good half Oops. a year before BB pulls the plug. Because remember, anyone with enough seats can pull the plug on the whole government. So BB pulls the plug and we go to new elections and BB's assuming that, you know, he's going to win more seats and not need to share with anyone anymore. And of course, uh, what happened was a different government came in and uh and, and of course, this time, Gantz didn't join with BB. And that's actually a good example of the specific ways in which BB has made a lot of enemies, right? So he promises Gantz, you're going to be the prime minister next, pulls the rug out from under right, him. So who can trust now him now? He, yeah. Right, yeah. So now Gantz isn't going to be in his coalition. You extend that sort of thing out over 12 years, right? None of them is like treason. None of them is like betraying the country, although he is on criminal trial for corruption and Fraud, bribery and fraud and a bunch of other things but that's actually not the reason why people won't sit with him it's these little things that happened over and over uh, along the like years him. yeah and that's what his strategy ultimately just to get to another elections was that what because he didn't had no path to form a government right unless like he, like he was just going to try to just keep pushing along keep having election after election and he stays in power. Well, I mean, his, at each election, his hope is that he, I mean, he did form a government because with Gantz, right. he was able to get right, enough right. seats. But he had mean, a government. Yeah. Yeah. So since then, well, the idea was you pull the plug and then you go to another election. Every time the hope is that if we have this election this time, I'll get more seats and then I'll be able to to be stable. But every single time he kept not quite making it. Yeah, because the last one was before the recent war. So maybe he thought after this one, he would have done. I don't know. But, well, and don't forget, like he did, he pulled off this magic trick with the Corona vaccines. I mean, Israel got vaccinated faster than like anybody. Yeah. And I think BB was thinking, all right, this is going to get me going to get that, me there. You know what? It, that's why the war happened, in my opinion, because the, Israel was getting too much good press. Everybody was thinking of Israel. They were thinking of you guys did a great job with the vaccines. So something had to go wrong. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're well, listening to Hot Takes with Kaplan. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what. It's Things you know what you're well. saying. It's I know you're saying it as a joke, but there's actually something to it. it it's a little more subtle than that, but it's not so far off. Look the thing that. is, <laughs> the, this war happened to a great degree because the Palestinians were supposed to have elections. The head of the Palestinian government realized that he was going to lose seats to Hamas because they were one of the parties running. They're a terror organization, but they're still like running in elections. 
That's good. So uh, Abbas, not Mansoor Abbas, the guy we we're talking about, Wait, not different Abbas, Abbas yeah. different Abbas. He, he says, "All right, I'm just canceling the elections." Which is uh, like in Israel, we keep having more and more of them, and 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 the Palestinian Authority, they just keep canceling them over and over. He's right now in the 16th year of his four-year term, 16? and so he can't 16th. Yeah, because they just keep not in in Israel. If if you don't have elections, like you don't get to stay in power. But in in the Palestinian Authority, you do. So he he cancels elections. This is humiliating to Hamas. And in the Arab world, personal dignity and pride is a very high value. And you cannot afford to be humiliated in that way. So Hamas realizes they've got to do something to make themselves relevant. And they that that sort of thing was what led to. The, this this latest violence, they start firing rockets and it worked. I mean, their popularity among Palestinians went way up because they see them as being this group that's taking strong action. Their popularity so, in America went up <laughs> with, certain, with certain groups. Yeah, and of- certain groups. Yeah, that's a little disturbing. I mean, I know it went up in certain groups. I'm actually curious. I haven't seen a poll yet of how much their popularity has gone up overall, but <laughs> it's a little disturbing if it's going up. I mean, we don't have any... Uh, do we have any listeners from Hamas? Do we know of any Patreons? Because if they pay $20 a month, we'll have to read their plugs. So. <laughs> Not on Patreon. I don't think we have Patreon subscribers. No. What about Netanyahu? You said just briefly, but he's on trial for fraud. Now, if he's not the prime minister, does it? Does anything change? Does it, are they not allowed to get him while he's prime minister or anything like that? Or now? Yeah, see, that's the funny thing is right, in America, when you're prime minister, you can't be prosecuted. So that you got, or when you're yeah. president, so you have to wait until you're not president, right? And so yeah. there's this thing with Trump, like there might be some tax fraud prosecutions against him. So, but that's why impeachment is such a big deal in America because first you have to kick the guy out of office, and then you can prosecute him for all the other stuff. Remember, with Nixon, the whole idea was that. By because he agreed to leave office, they decided they wouldn't prosecute him for all the criminal things afterwards. Yeah, they made a deal. So, yeah, he made a deal. So in Israel, it's not like that. You don't get immunity when you are uh, in um, when you're in office. So he he was the even as he was prime minister, the prosecution was continuing. Now, there's a sense that if you're prime minister, you can play little games and find ways to delay or to influence people that you couldn't when you're not the prime minister. So it potentially gives you. Uh, an unfair advantage, but this prosecution still was brought. It still existed. It was moving forward. And we were heading toward a potential situation where he could actually, you can't serve as prime minister if you get convicted. So we were heading toward a situation where he could mm-hmm. potentially get convicted and have to then go directly from the prime minister's residence to like prison. And <laughs> that, that give was a speech. Wow. Do you get to give one last speech from the, in the cuffs from the, because he gave I, a I'm speech guessing, last week. I saw him like leaving speech. So you get to do that if you're. Well, I, I tell you what, it's it's actually it's not the first time that a prime minister was sent to prison, although the last one he wasn't prime minister at the time. But when he was being convicted at the time, as you guys remember, I was running uh, Playboy a bunch of years ago. Yes. And 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 at the time I was. Oh, no, right. With the, huh? Ehud Omer, is that who you're talking about? Right, Ehud yeah. Omer. So at the time, I was friendly with the general manager of the Maccabi Tel Aviv soccer team. Ooh, la and la. So he used to invite me to sit in his box. So I was sitting in his box, and Ehud Omer was sitting right next to me, and he's smiling and being jovial and all this he stuff. He was the prime minister and, in like the late 2000s, right? Or before Netanyahu? Wow. Uh, before Netanyahu. I mean, at the time I was at the soccer game with him, he was already out of office. But like he literally was the next day, like went to prison. Like he's sitting at a soccer game and the next day he's like in jail. One last it was the game. most surreal experience. <laughs> His last yeah. meal was, yeah, I want, I want to go to a soccer game. Yeah. It's in a box. I want to go to a second. 
It's such a strange thing. So, and it's a weird thing. You look at people and it's like, wow, that guy's a prime minister. He's like made it really big. And then the next day it's like, dude, that guy's in prison. And at least I'm in, in a house, you know? Wow. And, and what, what about the relationship with the U.S. with these yeah, new so prime ministers, the, the new prime minister, the new coalition? Do they have any relationship? Like I saw Netanyahu being like, they're, they're going to have no clue how to deal with the international right. world. Netanyahu was really good at dealing with at least the Republican side of the American uh, he was saying yeah, they're going to by Biden. And not just that. I mean, Netanyahu really is became a, a highly skilled international politician. And I think in a rational world, he should have been like uh, the the Secretary of State, what we call it the you know Foreign Minister, and you know just focused on that because he did it really well. But uh, it, in terms of the relationship, I mean. It's a funny thing. I think part of the reason that the relationship may have soured, and I'm speculating here, is that Netanyahu has this way of sort of doing little small betrayals of the people he does politics with. And it may be that he did that with some Americans, too, and they started to dislike him because of that. So if that's the case, a fresh start will definitely be well, a big I mean, help. He did speak in Congress against the Iran deal, which I think pissed off Obama and like some. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it did, and you know, it's. I suppose you could make the argument that he should have uh, gotten Obama's support for him to speak in front of Congress rather than going against this thing that was in Obama's interest. There are other people who say, well, he was speaking on a topic that was a consensus issue in Israel, right. and isn't his obligation to speak for the Israeli people, not you know, for the uh, for American factions or you know of different sides. But here's uh, but here's on the other hand, right? I'll give you that. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand. A lot of the issues that Israelis have a problem with are not the things that Americans are focused on. It, it tends to be local things, permits for houses, the cost of milk, real estate prices, monopoly. Monopolies are a big deal here. They control a lot of things and we need more monopoly busting. That's what Israelis game, focus on. All right. <laughs> yeah. So that's what Israelis focus on. And the consensus issues in Israel, a lot of the issues that people want to pressure Israel about internationally Things like the way Israel defends itself, uh, the way Israel keeps its borders secure, whether Israel should give up land uh, to, to different groups. Those tend to be consensus issues in Israel, not unanimous. There's always niche groups, but generally consensus issues. So I think if America's idea is that Bennett or Lapid or anyone in this coalition is going to somehow do a 180 on the issues that American presidents want, I think they, they're going to be disappointed by that. And if that's the source of tension, then that that particular tension may continue. Got it. Well, I think my sense is that Netanyahu is more outspoken. Like he had more balls, so to speak, to do it publicly. I feel like these, the Bennett and Lapid seem more like they'll do it privately, but they're not going to go against an American president. I don't think they don't think they have the. Uh, do you, would you say that? It's at least in the beginning. At least to like. I'd say. <laughs> I'd say their their advantage is that they probably are a little more subtle. Yeah. Uh, but their disadvantage is going to be that, you know, Bennett was, uh, you know, he had high tech startups and made a killing in business. Oh. And Lapid was a news anchor for a bunch of years, which is why he's got, you know, the eyebrows and the George Clooney look. I mean, these <laughs> guys, <laughs> these guys don't know politics that well. This, these guys are like, you know, Michael Jordan playing for, for the White Sox. You know what I'm saying? Oh, boy. That's a deep cut there. <laughs> oh, you're a Chicago <laughs> yeah. guy originally. Yeah. Wow. Like, like, so, like they're talented people, but they're a little bit out of their element. They might learn it. They might get the hang of it. But this is new for them. Well, yeah, I was just thinking like even making Bennett the head of the party, like from just a PR perspective, he's got all these comments in the past 
he said some pretty not so great things about the Arabs, you know. So it just seems like a it seems like a strange decision to make him the leader, but I guess if they had to do it that Maybe way, they had to. It sounds like they yeah. had to. They had to, yeah, because Lapid seems like a more uh, camera friendly, PR friendly uh, prime minister to me at least. So, so yeah, well, and, and I mean, it's not just an international decision. This is mostly based around the domestic stuff, yeah. and this coalition needs to burnish its right wing credentials along with its left wing credentials. So just closing it off here, what's your prediction for how long? Yeah. This coalition will last. Yeah. When's our more, next Israel pod? Well, what about this? More or less than one year. I'll tell you what, that's a question that everyone in Israel is asking each other all the time. And I get asked this constantly. I'll tell you the most common answer is that people think it won't last very long. People are saying like under two years, uh, maybe even under one year. Uh, if you give me an over under, not only will I take the over on one year, I'll take the over on two years. Wow. All and, right. Yeah. So you think yeah. Lapid will see will make it to the prime minister? He will become the prime minister in two years. I, I do think so, and and it's for two reasons. One, because it reflects that tribal chaotic nature of the Middle East in a way that just might work, and two, because the major uniting force of this coalition is is Bibi is or mm. you know keeping Bibi out of power, and he's still waiting in the wings and and leading the opposition right now. But what if he goes to jail? Then does that change everything? Because then he's not in the wings. <laughs> uh, that's that's true. That actually yeah. could could Let's have a, that in. There's a sharp <laughs> catch there. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, well that is it, Daniel Pomerantz. Thank you for coming back to the show, man. My uh, pleasure. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Learned so much. Thanks for staying up late too to hang with us. Out there in Tel Aviv. Kaplan, Anytime. that's it. What should we do? I wish I, I should have learned, learned how to say this in Hebrew at my Hebrew school, but I'll say it in English instead. Get lost. Get lost. <laughs> 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 that, that's a little stronger than get lost. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.